We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's another live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Look, when was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise is a trusted company with mobile tools that take your banking beyond the borders of whatever city you live in. They're wonderful people, member uh, Emprise Bank member FDIC is. Uh, they leave you handwritten notes when your draft guide releases. They are just that kind of people. They're wonderful. They've been wonderful partners for the KCSN draft guide. They've been uh, our partners in possible here at KC Sports Network. So a big shout out to them. And uh, yeah, you should you should check them out. If you're looking for any banking needs, trust me, uh, you will not regret it. I have not regretted it. And I have not regretted hanging out with these two over the course of my life. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Last five years. First, find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Wearing a royal shirt. Matthew Lane, what's up? Listen, you watch three and a half innings of baseball. You get (laughs) 110% accurate takes, and they ship you Royals gear. That's just how it works. So, you know, when you guys pull that off, let Kent know, and somehow, magically, Royals gear shows up at your doorstep when you can pull this off. Um, I think Craig's next. Craig is going to actually – Craig decided he is going to watch baseball all all summer long, and then he is going to give us a report on 28 of the the 30 30 teams. Oh, man. Do you – do you hate my free time? The the limited amount that I have, I don't. I don't have the wherewithal to, for that. I hate that you're promising the good folks that might actually want that uh, that I would do that. So no, I will. I will not be doing that. No, no. Maddie, you you and I, you and I are gonna fight tonight. And uh, listen, we. <laughs> Listen, we it's been a week since we see each other. Distance does it, it, a thing to people. It, it does. <laughs> it does. We we miss each other so much. We're about to fight tonight. So this this could be a potentially fun one. Oh, do I get to be the arbiter of this? Actually, sure. I, I, I think I know where this is going. I'm pretty sure what <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know where this is all going. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Uh we got plenty to discuss today, and I think we're gonna start the show off with this because James Bradbury, the New York Giants cornerback, uh the often rumored uh, Chiefs target via trade uh, was released today. And I think that brought up, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the circulation began that the Chiefs might potentially be uh, one of the teams interested in James Bradbury, um, the cornerback. I mean, who had a, he's, he's had a, you know, nice little career here to this point. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the, the ties are strong and the ties were strong before the draft and then the chiefs went out and spent half their draft in the secondary. They traded for Lonnie Johnson, but now, now this guy is available. And I think the chiefs probably had an indication and an inkling that he might be available uh, because they weren't, the giants weren't able to find a trade partner. So here we are, here we sit and it's worth examining whether or not the Chiefs should explore pursuing James Bradbury. Still, I believe only 28 years old has had some success in this league. The giant stint has not been particularly great, uh, but it, depending on the price point, could be a decent little reclamation proje- project and additional depth to a to a defensive back room that doesn't have a ton of experience. Uh, in fact, I believe the oldest cornerback on this football team 
uh, is 25. No, hmm. 26. Lonnie Johnson is in the mix. The oldest cornerback on this roster is 26 years old. So there's not a ton of veterans. There's not a, a ton of experience on this group. So let's have the discourse. Let's lay it all out. Let's discuss. Should the Chiefs sign James Bat Bradbury? Matthew Lane, kick us off. No. Next question. Uh, no. <laughs> let's go. Come okay. on. So well, the, okay, the hard part here with this is if James, James Bradbury is going to sign for vet minimum, then of course they should. Every 31 team, 32 teams in the NFL should, if it's going to be that's, for vet That's minimum. not a fun conversation. Let's not. Right. No. Yeah. right. Yeah. So we got to, before we get discussion, we got to come across what's a fair price for James Bradbury because spot rack has it as a ridiculous 12.1 million. Nah. Um, so like we got to come up to a price that we think we are talking about here for James Bear. Like what's the kind of contract do we think that he's going to be signing or looking to sign now that he's a free agent at this time? Cause like, I think this really dictates how this conversation goes. Are, are we, are we looking at a one year deal here? Should we, should we just lay it on the, on the table as a one year deal? Just, just so we're all on the same page. I understand. I mean, yeah, no, Maybe we should. Cause he's okay. 29. Yeah. He's getting, he's yes. 29 in like 60 days. Um, The chiefs are offering him a one year deal. I would imagine if yes. they sign him or it'll be a two year deal. They get I mean, just like, yeah. So a one year deal, but I don't know if it's necessarily a prove it deal either. So like, I don't think you're looking right. at a one for four with an incentive to say, I don't think it's that mm. low for him. Just because I don't think he's looking for a prove-it deal. I think he's kind of at the point of his career where he's been established enough. He's been around the league long enough, like we're talking about. He's a veteran. I think that you might not be getting him for that cheap. So like, that's why I got to kind of like, Kent, what do you think is a price that sounds reasonable for James Bradbury on a one-year deal? So I I have I would have no problems throwing something at him more incentive laden maybe not a big base you know for I I'd give him four million dollars guaranteed with incentives to get him up to that eight and a half nine million dollar range like I don't think that's unreasonable um to to get something in that capacity um I don't know if I'd give him a huge contract I mean you, you could probably talk me into a little bit bigger of a base I but saw two I for twenty two in the chat woo woo that's a, that's salty that's that salty. is. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, you know, like set the base at $5 million incentives to get it up to nine, something in that range, I think sounds reasonable. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, do you think that's fair, Matt? I, yeah, I think it depends on what your incentives are going to be. Like, I would say if they're likely to be earned, then yes, I think that's fair. Like, I think I don't know if it would be five and then incentives that were unlikely to be earned to get him to nine. Like I have to feel like if he's signing for that amount, that's less than what Jaron Jaron Reed signed with the chiefs for last year, a defensive tackle. So like, I feel like it's gotta be, that's kind of like the baseline, right? Is this five mil guaranteed with incentives to boost it up to eight, nine, $10 million. And I think they just have to be something that would be attainable, but like, I don't, that's what makes this conversation so hard. Right. So like, I'll let Craig push back if he thinks that's too rich, if that changes what he thinks. Cause I know it's, it's a weird spot. Cause I think this, the money issue really determines where you go with Bradbury. And not only that, um, it, it, teams were not willing to trade for him on his current contract. And I don't know if that's just because the giants weren't willing to take on any of the contract we we have not heard any rumors as to where the money was going to be allocated there i mean certainly the chiefs were interested but i'm positive that it would have had to come with some sort of you know the giants taking on some fraction of that contract and that's not how it happened they get done with the draft no team is willing to take on that contract so i don't think that it's going to be like a 10 11 million dollar deal i just don't because it was already basically right there at the taking and as we just saw with lonnie johnson chiefs are willing to trade a future seventh from two drafts away a conditional <laughs> one at that so i think that it's probably closer to like you guys said maybe a five million dollar base with some incentives that can get it up to maybe eight or nine million dollars i'm looking specifically here if we're talking about a contract the kyle fuller contract with the broncos that was nine and a half million dollars basically you know it, it was around that sort of thing kyle fuller 30 years old i i think that you know a guy that has had some success in the league prior to this and then has sort of tapered off a little bit i think that that's about where the value is but that being said 
he's not doing this necessarily on the open market. Now, he's certainly available to sign with any team here, but it's not like this was occurring in free agency. He wasn't trying to find a home. Now he's at the whim of teams and how much money they have left after the draft. And that's going to knock that contract down for certain. Kent, what do you have here? Well, this is one of the things I really wanted to talk about to your point, Craig, because like you're looking at teams and there's some teams that have been rumored as potential, you know, targets. So the Texans are the only team I believe that I've seen connected potentially to James Bradbury that has have more money than the chiefs. So the chiefs, according to over the cap have about $15 million in cap space. Um, you're looking at the Colts have a little about 14. Uh, the Jets have 13. Um, I saw, you know, I've seen the Raiders connected six million dollars for the Raiders. Um, we've seen the Eagles 10 million dollars. So, I mean, this, some of these teams have money to play with, but at the same time, the Chiefs are, if you're looking at legit contenders too, or teams that are actually you know, have a chance of making playoffs. The Chiefs are 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 the 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 most money and mm-hmm. you know the the best positioned I think so I think that's that's one of the, ne- the discussions that you got to have here. Okay, yeah. So let's let's operate under that general concept, right? Five million dollars yeah. guaranteed. We're looking at like up to eight or nine with some incentives. This Kyle Fuller S deal, and I love that you invoked the name of Kyle Fuller for why the Chiefs absolutely should not do this. Let's go. Let's because go. Kyle Fuller. Just like Bradbury in this scenario, is getting enough money that he's a starter. He walks in and he's he walks in, he's your cornerback one. If you're giving, if this team gives him that much money, you're paying him more than you paid any other corner under Brett Veach. You are giving him the biggest contract. You are going out and saying you are worth more than any cornerback that we have ever paid for this team. He walks in as your cornerback one. James Bradbury ain't a cornerback one, just like Kyle Fuller wasn't for the Denver Broncos. Kyle Fuller barely deserved to actually take it back. Kyle Fuller did not deserve to be on the field for the Broncos last year. He was bad. He showed signs of slowing down in Chicago at his age. Guess what? 28 season. James Bradbury showed signs of slowing down at, guess what? His age, 28 season. They then get left. Their teams leave them. They say, eh, you're not worth the money that you're owed anymore because you're kind of on that precipice of falling off a cliff. We'll let somebody else pay for you. Denver, after one year of paying Kyle Fuller, is like, hmm, I don't know if this was such a great idea. I don't want to be the team that does that for James Bradbury. I don't want Kyle Fuller to come in potent- or guaranteely take snaps away from people that you want to see grow, that have a higher ceiling. They're going to be part of the team for a longer term because his, his ceiling of play isn't worth it. And I think you're dancing on the edge of it being a cliff. You can go, because I know where you're going next, but you can go yeah. for it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Can we just pause? Can we pause really quick? Can can I step in here really quick to just say that Maddie used the word guaranteely? I don't know exactly what that means. (laughs) It's it's right in the dictionary. It comes quite literally right after flexitility. (laughs) I was just saying. Is it, is you two it, are making up words over here. I can't pronounce any of them. You but can't. You two pr- are making them up, Craig. Every time you try to pronounce someone's name, you make up a new word. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, okay. So here's where I'm going to go with this. Uh, with the Broncos, let's talk. Let's go back to this Kyle Fuller relationship here. Broncos had just spent a an insanely high draft pick on Patrick Sertan. They had Ronald Darby kind of sitting there waiting in the wings. They had other options. You know, Kyle Fuller coming in was more of a, hey, we're going to add a veteran presence. We're expecting him to start, but we're going to ease the rookie in. We're going to ease Darby in. We're going to see. We're going to make it an open competition. And obviously, he lost that competition. But they had the numbers. They basically were able to bring in a good veteran presence to help ease along a young group, especially Patrick Sertan. Now, he's he's an excellent cornerback. I don't think that he really needed the guidance or anything. I'm not I'm not saying that, but this Chiefs room doesn't have very many guys on it that you look at and you're like, those dudes are irreplaceable. So you've got Legarius Need, you've got Trent McDuffie, and then you got a bunch of young guys. Brett Veach even said we knew that we weren't going to be able to sign cornerbacks and defensive backs in undrafted free agency so that's why we focus so heavily on them at the end of the draft now this is beside the point i love joshua williams i love jalen i love i love these guys that they drafted and i am fine with them coming in and playing the step up in competition is going to be significant 
James Bradbury on a five-year or a $5 million base on one year with incentives is a guy that's coming in to compete with Rashad Fenton, Lonnie Johnson, and DeAndre Baker. And frankly, I'm not attached to any of those guys. So if you're improving that cornerback position, you're allowing Trent McDuffie to come in at the speed that he needs to come in. You're not basically saying, hey, you're day one starter and don't screw this up. You know, you're allowing James Bradbury to ease him in a little bit more and you're improving the floor over some other guys in those three guys I mentioned, all on one-year deals. It's not like you're attached to them for very long. So I get that he's a little bit of a progress stopper. I know that's where you're going, Maddie. I get it. I do. But I am not so attached to the guys whose progress he's actually stopping to where it's going to stop me from signing a contract like this to improve the floor at cornerback, especially when the pass rush needs some help. I don't think... DeAndre Baker's making the team, guys. I don't really think it I don't matters. think he factors into this conversation. I don't think he does. Yeah. It, it, it's more I, like it's more like Fenton and Lonnie Johnson and Bradbury in that. Okay, scenario. yeah. So Rashad Fenton and <laughs> two things: we don't really know the health situation of Rashad Fenton right now either. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's another factor here. So we're still sitting at uh, luxurious need as the like experienced corner in this group. So uh, Rashad Fitton says $2.5 million against the cap. And I'm not, I'm not clamoring for cutting him or anything whatsoever. When I say this, I'm just saying, if you're so worried about the cap hit, like there's, there's money that you can, uh, Lonnie Johnson, 1.2 million against the cap. So I'm sitting here going, okay, you can even, you can even eat into the cost of going and grabbing James Bradbury. Bradbury. Do we really think that, that the you know that the Chiefs are that invested in Lonnie Johnson. It's a conditional seventh round pick in not, two, not next year, but it, two years. <laughs> it's like you know, like when they joke about a ham sandwich, a ham sandwich might be more valuable. Mm. Like this uh, tur- turkey, <laughs> turkey club, Cuban, Cuban. Ooh. Okay, well, you and a Cuban sandwich, like yeah. it's it's mm. over. But I'm just saying, like. I don't look at these veterans like there's a difference between a veteran and a veteran. I think the Chiefs are actually invested in. And I think James Bradbury raises the ceiling of the or the floor of that group a little bit more. It gives some runway to a very young, inexperienced group, lets them develop a little bit more. I don't hate the idea of adding and another veteran voice in the back end of that defense. Literally, it would be the second oldest. The only the only guy over 27, I believe, or 26 in that defensive back room is Dion Bush, a backup safety special teamer. Like, we don't, there's not a, there's not a veteran voice really. There's not a ton of veteran voices in that group that are really wildly experienced and stuff. So I don't know. There's a lot of reasons I think you can throw James Bradbury in the mix. Now, Maddie, eviscerate me. It's the, I think you guys touched on it. It's the stopping of progress for players that you want to see develop, though. James Bradbury's ceiling's come and gone. He's on the decline. I think it's evident when you watch him play last year, the guy's terrified to run. He's terrified of somebody beating him over the top because he never could run super well. And you watch him even play cover two in New York. He is terrified of playing in the flat and letting someone get behind him because he knows he can't run. And you're dealing with a guy that was already not able to run. He's now turning 29. I think it's pretty evident in his play that he is heading on a downturn of his career. I don't get wanting to lock him into a $9 million cap hit this year because again, I think that's what we're talking about here is we're talking, he's getting 5 million guaranteed. He's going to play. He's going to start. Cause like you guys said, he raises the floor. He's going to get to that $9 million. I don't think he's worth $9 million. What he provides over what Lonnie Johnson can, if you just let him play the exact same way, what Rashad Fenton has done. I don't think he's worth $7 million more than those guys this exact season for one year and not letting these guys that are younger and could potentially be on the team for two, three, four more years. I think he actively stops stunts their development because of the amount of money that you give him and because he does have a baseline level of talent that will keep him on the field. He's not going to be a train wreck. He's just not going to be good enough to be worth $7 million over those guys and stop them from developing. And then I would add on top of that, and this is where it gets really interesting. Look at the Chiefs additions this this offseason. Trent McDuffie can play off, can play man, can play zone. He can do a lot of different stuff. 
Brian Cook can play single high, can play in the box, can play in the slot a little bit. They're getting away from some secondary guys that are going to be isolated or pigeonholed into exactly one type. Now, they did trade for Lonnie Johnson, and we talked about it was for a Cuban sandwich or whatever. But like they traded for a guy very similar to Bradbury that only plays one style of defense. That's the mm -hmm. only way he can play in coverage. Same with Bradbury. He can only play one way in coverage. You are now taking all of these versatile pieces you just added and saying, hey, I know you guys are really versatile and smart, but now you have to completely change your game. Not change your game, but don't do that. Don't be versatile because this corner can't do it. He can only press and play on a third of the field. We are now limiting the coverage opportunity that you just spent what looks like a major part of this offseason getting a little bit more varied with the coverage shells and coverage things that you can run and you're paying him $9 million and you're kind of, I just, that is my issue is a lot of things start to stack up. The pro con list to me ends up with a lot more on the con side, even though you do raise the floor by, you know, half a step or a step or something like that. And see, I'm completely on board with them making this an, an amoebic secondary, essentially being able to play with all these guys, being able to do lots of different things. But like you said, they added Lonnie Johnson, Joshua Williams, going to be a little locked into some, you know, specific coverages. You know, Charvarius Ward last year was not somebody that you were like, hey, let's play him in everything. You know, the, the man had a specific skill set. We have mm -hmm. seen the team succeed with that. And I think that that's probably why we have seen his name tied to the Chiefs and probably why the Chiefs had some legitimate interest. They're probably looking at a player like that and saying, we know how to protect guys who can get beat deep a little bit. I mean, Lonnie Johnson is a four or five, two athlete. Like he's not a burner either. Rashad Fenton, not a burner. These are the guys that he's going up against. Lonnie Johnson, player comparison, James Bradbury. You're welcome. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> it, it, I get exactly why. And it's also why I get exactly why I can see the Chiefs standing pat. Like if there if there becomes a little bit of a bidding war, if they have to come up at all, be out. Like I'm not condoning for a James Bradbury no matter what scenario for the right price. I believe I even posted in the KCSN Discord the guarantees under five million dollars. If it's over that, and somebody even pointed out, what if it's five million and one? I'm out. I'm immediately out. I just I can't. At that point, I would rather roll the dice with what they've got. I would rather save that money back. I would rather be sitting at the trade deadline with an abundance of cash because we see how that works every single year. Now, I don't want to be trading major assets or anything like that, and certainly Clark Hunt doesn't either, and Brett Veach has been doing very well with his assets right now. But you never know when you can find a steal and find an avenue towards building your defense even better. I'm fine with sticking to the trade deadline with that. So I am partially with Maddie in the monetary standpoint. I just think that he's better than the other guys that are also on one-year deals that are also going to be probably lining up for the Chiefs this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, the Chiefs mantra this entire offseason has been dip, disciplined and measured. I mean, like, that's the way that they've really approached about everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they've stayed very disciplined. Um, you know, there was a lot of buzz that, you know, hey, you know, they're going to be active and in, involved in the pass rusher market. And they wound up not being. And, you know, maybe there was at just some point, you know, they <laughs> they felt that was too much or they got priced out. And you know, hey, they didn't go put all their eggs in one basket with these big ginormous swings with their draft capital or, you know, taking draft capital and trading for veterans and paying big veterans. So they've been very disciplined and measured throughout their entire offseason. It's been a, you know, it's been a, it's been a course correction and adjustment. It's just now I'm sitting here, you know, the Chiefs have a decent amount of cap space. You know, there's still plenty of veterans to play in that market. Um, I believe that $15 million cap pit takes into consideration Melvin Ingram's uh, little tag, the the unrestricted free agent tag that they were able to put on him. Um, so I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm fine if they play in the market of James Bradbury. I agree. There's, there's a line. Uh, if, if it's, I'm praying it's 5.1 cause that would be hilarious. Um, just, I no, I, no, 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 not 5.1. 5.0000001. I yeah, even better. Just <laughs> even better. But yeah, I mean I I'm fine with I'm fine with it at a certain price point. So like I guess Maddie, like are you com- like what's what is 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 5 million the price point you're comfortable at or like what's the line for you? I first of all, I just want to say that James Bradbury has given up more touch receiving touchdowns uh, in his two years with the Giants than Charvarius Ward has given up in his entire NFL career. So uh, hmm. I just want to, I just also want to launch that out there. Did in, James Bradbury get as much help? No, probably no. For, for what the Giants did, <laughs> probably not in Carolina. Um, what that mean? I think that we and this contract structure that we're working at, if the Chiefs come out and they sign him for this exact contract that we're we're talking about, where it's five million guaranteed, he can get himself up to nine, which I think, especially if it's something that you anticipate him getting, if it's likely to be earned, I'm not happy with it. I think that's more than I'd want to pay because at that point in time, you're gonna probably pay him nine million dollars. And I just don't think Bradbury's worth that at this point in time, given everything that's happened to him. However, if this total number is going to be down in the six, seven range, if you are coming out of this year, paying him six or seven total with whatever the gear or whatever the incentives are going to be or anything on it, then maybe, maybe. And because the reason of that is, especially if you're lowering the guarantees in this process, he's not guaranteed to start. That's the thing is I don't want to be paying him so much money that he's guaranteed to be a starter. I want the coaching staff. I want everybody involved to not feel pressure to put him out there when he's playing just barely adequately compared to everybody else. Or if he's just playing. Okay. I don't want a Kyle Fuller situation where it's like, it's not the same because Kyle Fuller was also Vic Fangio's guy in Denver. So like that plays a role, but (laughs) You don't want to be having to pay this guy this much money and being like, well, can we actually sit this guy on the bench when he's making more than everybody else in our quarterback room combined? That's where the issue for me starts to show up is when the financials start impacting who might or might not see the field. Well, and here's where it gets tricky for the Chiefs if they want to try to do an incentive-laden deal. Uh, James Bradbury played in 17 games last year and started 16. He set a career high in interceptions with four. Um, he had the second most passes defensed in his career with 17, two fumble recoveries, you know, 47 tech. Like it's really hard to come up with incentives from a, from a, his perspective, you've got more narrow definitions of incentives. Now I think they could probably do some team performance incentives that are not likely to be earned, but well, even that's even tricky because their team's super good. The G's are super good. (laughs) So it's just like, the wiggle room to create incentives in the deal can also be a challenge here too, as far as maybe being, uh, being able to use not likely to be earned incentives, which would push the incentives into next year's cap. You would be having to account for a big cap hit, even if it's incentive laden, incentive laden in 
2022. And so that adds a little element too that I think is probably pretty interesting as well. I mean, I I look at this as a guy that succeeded in zone schemes in Carolina. And obviously he has taken a step back. I'm not going to argue that, but was trusted to follow around the the NFC South's best receivers for a number of years. And that was a murderer's row of guys played under Ron Rivera in this 4-3 scheme, had a lot of cover three quarters, some cover two stuff that Rivera ran. I mean, I can see exactly how he would translate over. I think that he's probably going to get, if he signs with the Chiefs, a better shake than he did in New York. So I do think that he improves. I don't know that he's ever going to get back to Carolina, you know, status. I'm not I'm not trying to say that because he was excellent there. He really was excellent there. The highs that he played there are just as high or higher than any of the guys that we have mentioned here tonight. And that includes Kyle Fuller in his amazing years in Chicago. So I mean, James Bradbury was a truly elite defender in those zone schemes. So I could see a path towards him recapturing some of that on the way back to stuff. So uh, maybe he's able to turn it around. Maybe he's able to right the ship and maybe he's able to bring a new element of his game back. Just like the good people at McAdoodles have brought a new element to Kansas city's liquor, liquor store scene coming to Lee summit summer of this year. It already feels like summer. So I'm sure you're all sitting around right now going, Oh man, I can't wait for this McAdoodles to show up. I'm thirsty. You know what? I, yeah, I'm thirsty. I'm very thirsty right now. If you want the best selection, best prices, and best customer service in Kansas City, get there immediately when it opens later this summer. Well, all right. So we're looking here, and, and we're, we're discussing the cornerback room, right? And we're, we're looking at this group and, and trying to figure out how, how does James Bradbury fit? Who's the odd man out? I'll, I'll ask you guys this across the board. Who's the odd man out or odd men out if James Bradbury signs with the Chiefs? James Maddie. Bradbury. <laughs> I knew he was going to do that, too. I knew he was going to do that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Rashad Fenton because that means that that's about the sixth or seventh cornerback that they have gone over the top of him with this yeah. year that's that's not to say anything about Rashad Fenton himself I like the player a lot I wish they play him on the outside more but if they added James Bradbury and Lonnie Johnson and Jalen Watkins and Watson Joshua Williams and Trent McDuffie like come on man they are telling you everything you need to know about that room well, Nazi Johnson, I believe, uh, you know, I know he's getting listed somewhat as a corner, but I believe he's primarily going to be listed as a safety. So there's something else taking into consideration there, too, with the secondary. Maddie, I want to ask you this, though, since you won't answer the question I just asked. No, you. I'll answer, I will I will answer the question. But what do you mean by out? Who's not in the starting three? Do you mean who doesn't make the team? the team? Oh, well, DeAndre Baker. Well, but I think we think that that might be the case anyway. Um. Okay. So they're gonna Trent McDuffie, Legarius Sneed, James Bradbury, um, one of the two rookies. Now you could probably fit both Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, and Lonnie Johnson. You can get six on there and have four safeties. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the best route you're looking anyway. Um, I get that Brett Veach said that they had to probably draft some corners on day three because they weren't going to sign any and free agency um, and undrafted free agency. But uh, like, do we really think that means that both are making the team? Like, I'd be more shocked if both Watson and Izzy Johnson made the team than I would be if one of them or probably both of them get practice squatted, right? Like, it's not like they were early round picks. They were late seventh round picks. Now, we know Nazee Johnson is probably going to get picked up pretty quickly. He straight up said he had a deal ready with the New yeah. York Giants until the Chiefs drafted him, right? So, like, you might not be able to keep him, but the Chiefs might have just wanted him for camp. Just, I don't think that there's a pathway for both of those two guys, Watson and Nizzy Johnson, to make the team if you bring in Bradbury. Even And that includes keeping up to six defensive backs. So, and, and whether you do or don't bring in Bradbury, I don't think both guys make the team either. I want to also be very clear with that. I think that's a hard path to get three day three, four rookie quarterbacks on this <laughs> roster plus a rookie safety all on this roster at once, but especially when you consider three of those corners are all going to be day three picks. I want to, I'm going to play this game with you really quick. 
Uh, it's not even a game. It's just a question. <laughs> Take oh, I'm the... less excited now. I yeah, I don't have it's it's that was that was that was a poor framework by me. No money doesn't matter. Okay, just take the money out of it. Okay. Would you rather have James Bradbury or Lonnie Johnson? Go, Maddie. Lonnie Johnson, younger. Maybe he can become something more. I mean, I I think that I'd probably go Lonnie Johnson as well if money didn't matter at all. Why? 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 I told you. I just told you. There's a chance he can still be going upwards to his career. James Bradbury's clearly going down. He got moved to safety. It's future. It's future. Yeah, he got moved to safety in Houston. Like, let's chill here. Like, come on now. The man man had four head coaches and three defensive coordinators. Like, there was no solid foundation for him in Houston. If I'm banking on a guy that I'm moving forward with, it's him. If I'm taking for three to six games at the start of the year while I'm easing my rookies in, I'm going to take Bradbury. I just, I don't, like... I don't think the Chiefs think much of Lonnie Johnson. Like, I think we're giving Lonnie Johnson too much credit right now. I think you're not giving them enough because they, I think the fact that they were considering trading for him at the deadline says more to me than what the, what was traded for him is saying to you, I guess. The fact that they were able to just trade a conditional seventh round pick for a year from now matters, but it also matters that they considered trading for him at the deadline. And then the holdup was, well, we won't get him in here in time to learn our playbook before we want him to. Steve Spagnuolo is doing some wacky stuff. Maybe it won't work out. So we're going to hold off on it, and then we're going to make the move now. And I'm not saying Lonnie Johnson is going to be great. It's just we mm-hmm. know they like Lonnie Johnson coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that they were considering trading for him at the deadline, they were they saw, hmm, quarterback's not a strong spot right now. Maybe we should go get Lonnie Johnson at the deadline. Let's me think that they think there could still be something there. Man, I mean, yeah. I bet on the potential. I'm betting Maybe. on the unknown potential versus I, I, what I'm seeing as a decline. James Bradbury as a player has been better than Lonnie Johnson. Oh, yeah. It's unquestionable. Absolutely he's better right now. Today, he's a better player. So Correct. adding adding James Bradbury means you have to make a hard choice about whether or not Lonnie Johnson sticks. Maybe. Like, that's what no. that means. Okay, let's just keep it at that. And guess what? If Lonnie Johnson's worth keeping, that's a good problem. And you're probably willing to risk losing Jalen Watson sure. and Nazi Johnson. Like, that's like, I I mean, if, 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 if you won't Lonnie play then. I mean, you'll probably still get to see him play a little but bit. Not really. Because you're just paying James Bradbury $9 million to come in and play every snap. And you drafted a cornerback with a trade up in round one. And your best corner is already the guy playing in the slot. So you bring in James Bradbury, you're not seeing Lonnie Johnson. Is he really going to stick around and take another vet minimum deal for a team that wouldn't play him one year when he's coming up on a contract year? It's just like, that's why I personally, if I'm having to choose between them, I'm betting on the unknown of Lonnie Johnson. I think the Chiefs cornerback room and defensive back room can be good enough without Bradbury that it's not worth bringing him in to not see what some of the younger guys might be able to do. And I'm putting Lonnie Johnson in the younger group, even though he's not necessarily the same level as the rest. It's just from where I see this team at right now, I would bank on the youth and what they have versus overpaying a guy to come in and guaranteedly get snaps there. I use your word again, get snaps because you paid him so much money. And then like you, are really going nowhere with him. He's sure. one year. Okay. But like, I just like, I don't think Lonnie Johnson's a known commodity. And I'm just, I said, it's the unknown. I know. And that's just so fascinating to me because like, one of the things like when we're sitting here before the draft, we're always going, all right, <laughs> we want some known commodities here. We're looking at this roster and it's just terrifying and we're scared. And now we can sit here now just because we threw a bunch of numbers at it. Like if Jalen Watson and Nazi Johnson are on the roster, how do you feel about this situation? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the things I'm thinking about. It's just like, it seems I'm like, hoping, ex- well, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, that that means that Lonnie was good enough to start on the outside or Rashad Fenton is good enough to start on the outside or Joshua Williams came on quick, <laughs> which I, I listen, I'm, I'm a big Joshua Williams stand and th- it's a big step up from Fayetteville state. Just a real big step up. I just, I, I see the way that this team talked about Lonnie. I see the way that Lonnie is approaching the situation, and it makes me think that we're going to get a much different player than what we have seen in Houston. But that being said, 
I don't think that five to seven to nine million dollars at this point of the year when the Chiefs have so much cap space and are about to get more after they sign Orlando Brown Jr. I don't think that that's uh, that's something that you got to be like, nah, don't don't worry about it. And again, as I talked about earlier, he's not a progress stopper for those one year guys. So I'm more than willing to add both of those guys and then let them compete. Let them duke it out in camp. And if you have to eat $4 million in a guaranteed salary, yeah, we're going to be sitting around being like, yeah, that was a mistake. But I'd rather kick the tires on it and be sure rather than trust a bunch of unknown commodities to try and do this, especially when, once again, I don't know if the pass rush has improved. So you got to lean on that secondary a little more. Start making some moves for the future and quit chasing rings in the direct year. This is how the Chiefs got in the mess they're in in the first place. They didn't pay attention to the future. I think overpaying for Bradbury is falling down the exact same trap again. Uh, so get the guys you have now the experience. I think, I mean, are you guys concerned with the corner room if it's Sneed, Fenton, slash Lonnie Johnson, and Trent McDuffie out there? Like, is it, do we think it's worse than what the cornerback room was last year with Charvarius Ward, Sneed, and Fenton? It's Baker, more unproven. Think, it's just more unproven. It's more unknown. That's all. Like I think the talent I, level in the ceilings. I think way the higher. defensive back room in general is worse than it was last year, Ooh. and I think that they've got to play a little more static in some of their coverages, which they're going to have to do Ooh, anyway. Because you okay, don't have... we're fighting the game. You think the defensive okay. back room is worse? No, no. We're, without adding James Bradbury, yes. right? Yes. Okay, so you think the combination of Brian Cook, who's a rookie, yes, and mm -hmm. Justin Reed is worse than Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen? Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill. But Juan Thornhill's still playing. He's still here. Well, but Juan Thornhill's still playing. But I mean, like, he was here it, last we're, year with Dan. We're not, I'm not comparing. I'm comparing Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill to Brian Cook and Juan Thornhill, or. Justin Why not Justin Reed, Reed and, Juan, and Thornhill, Juan Thornhill, or something like? We don't think Justin sure. Reed is better this year than Tyron Matthew was last year. Dyron Matthew allows Steve Spagnuolo to do. We we can get into that whole thing. It's going to be a, it's going to be different in that secondary. Yes. I think you're going to see a lot more of the coverage that was called by Steve Spagnuolo ran by the secondary. That yeah. is not trying to slight anybody else. Tyron Matthew moved those guys around so much. There was so much communication as route distributions occurred, and so. It was a little bit amoebic in the secondary. He was able to move guys around, able to switch stuff up, and he himself was able to get into some of these positions to take stuff away. I think you are going to see these guys more locked into the coverage call that was made before the snap, maybe more so than it was with Tyron Matthew. And so in that regard, you're not going to have some of that latent or that passive stuff that's getting taken away where quarterbacks are just going to be like, I'm not going to throw here because I don't – like. I understand what the coverage was. I saw what it was, but now it's shifted enough to where I don't I don't trust there, so I'm going to target some of the other areas of the field. Now, all of a sudden, I think that you can attack some of the other ones, so you're going to be reliant on the quality of the player a little bit more within the scheme rather than maybe the scheme being able to manipulate the offense a little bit more. So, well, I'd push back that I got. I'd push back they got a lot more versatile. Um, I think they I did think get just, versatile. Justin yeah, Reed's. Yeah. I, better at every safety position than Tyron Matthew is. He just doesn't call the game better right now. Mm. I think he's a better man. At this point, he's a better man coverage guy. He's a better deep defender. The only, I'd give Tyron Matthew the robber role. Like We'll give him playing robber over Justin Reed because he's still really good at that. But for yeah. everything else, I think Justin Reed is better. And the fact that Justin Reed can move around probably allows Juan Thornhill to be better because he's not just shoved off into center field or a deep <laughs> half every single play. Then Trent McDuffie, whether he's playing over Fenton or Traverius Ward, can do more things than both of those guys. Now, sure. you're still either going to play Fenton or Lonnie Johnson, who are going to be a little bit more limited. But I just think, I think you've got a lot more versatile pieces on the back end now, and maybe they will be more, I don't want to say static, because I think I think they'll be the opposite of that, but maybe they will not be able to make as many adjustments in on real fly, time on yeah. the field without Steve mm -hmm. Spagnuolo, but they will be able to disguise stuff, I think, a little bit better because you're not going to be as limited to, 
hey, Charvarius Ward kind of has to press a guy and play on the vertical third of the field. Tyron Matthew can't really play single high, and sure. nor can he really mm-hmm. run the alley, and nor can Juan Thornhill. So we have to put Dan Sorensen out there, <laughs> who also can't really do it. And so it's like it's just a weird spot. Like I do, I think the secondary as a whole will be better. I think they have more talent overall, from including all the defensive backs. I think the talent's improved, and I think the versatility between the guys has improved. So like I think there will be communication errors to start. I think it'll look a lot more like 2019 where the first half of the year, it's a little all over the place. There's some highs, there's some lows, but as the season kind of progresses, you're going to see these guys start to gel, and by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if we're saying the secondary, without James Bradbury, is definitely taking a step forward, just because, like I said, I like a lot of the pieces and how different, how much more versatile, how much more disguised stuff they will be able to do with all of these guys than what they've been able to do in the past, because it's just been so limited in their usage. Do you think that Trent McDuffie is going to walk in day one and be as good as Charvarius Ward was last year? This was Charvarius' best year as a pro, got him mm-hmm. got him paid a lot of money by San Francisco, and deservedly so. Day one walking in. And I know there's going to be communication stuff. I'm not uh-huh. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, you know, as far as put him out there on the boundary, he can replicate what Charvarius did more or less. If they just sit there and have him do that one thing over and over again, no, but I don't think that's the mm-hmm. value of Trent McDuffie. So like this is I where it kind of I becomes agree. this mm-hmm. is where it becomes tricky. If with Charvarius Ward, if you start getting a team that's gonna run a lot of crossing routes, he's gonna be zoning off and replacing a safety that's cutting and stuff like that. I think McDuffie actually has the ability to chase that stuff. So it all depends on how they're gonna use him. But if you would like, I don't think that his rookie year in totality will be a significant step back from Charvarius Ward if they utilize his full versatility. And I assume they will. I think Steve Spagnuolo is a good enough defensive coordinator to do that. I think Dave Merritt's a good enough DB coach to do that. If they don't, I get a little bit more leery. If they're going to shove him out there and just tell him, say, hey, you're going to play in this third of the field and not really go anywhere else except for two or three plays a game, then I start to get concerned about why they took this particular player to do (laughs) just that. But if they utilize his full skill set, yeah, I think his rookie year can be right on par and, again, more versatile than what Charvarius Ward brought even last year during what we all thought was his best year. Hey, if you like the show right now, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We would really appreciate that engagement. It really helps us grow the channel. And thank you all so much. That all you got a bunch of people watching right now. Thank you. Please hit the like. Please hit the subscribe button on this. I, I just, just as we're talking through some of this stuff, and we'll get out of here pretty quick. But you know, I look at you know we're, we're discussing the roster, we're discussing the mistakes this team has made in the past, and. You know, I love that the Chiefs have been able to inject this team with young talent. Even some of the undrafted free agents have a chance to make the bottom of this roster. Mike Rose, hello. Um, and we'll talk about them over the course of the offseason because it's still only May. And we have May, June, and July to try to, you know, not, you know, not, you know, completely bore y'all. Um, I just, I guess the way I Great look at sell. it. Great you know, sell of the podcast right there, buddy. Hit that like, hit that subscribe button for more content <laughs> like that. I just don't know if I see a, a, a big, like an addition of James Bradbury is crippling, I guess, to this roster and to the progress necessarily. I think it creates a level of competition. Um, I think it ensures you more veteran depth at the cornerback position. And if you are going to be a little bit more versatile, that's probably not a bad thing. You were granted, yes, I know James Bradbury, more narrow skill set, yada, yada, yada. I just I just don't know if in the totality of all of this he really is a he's something that's really crippling this team short and long term. Maybe it's the development of the corners. Maybe you know, maybe a little bit from the development. But beyond that, like I just don't know. I want to ask this question before we get out. Let's just assume the Chiefs signed Melvin Ingram. What's the one position that you would like to see the Chiefs add a substantial addition in the veteran free agency market? Maddie, go. It's defensive end, bar none. Even with Melvin Ingram, it's still not a particularly good unit. And I think last year they tried the whole two interior pass rusher thing. And while maybe it was the player choice that wasn't as good as they wanted it to be, it just didn't work out, right? It didn't have the same impact as you wanted as much as people want to talk about interior pass rush being the new wave. There's like very select few players that actually dictate a game with their interior pass rush on a down-to-down basis. It's still 
edge rushers are still more impactful by and large. So another defensive end to pair with them. Now, once you add Melvin Ingram, yeah, you're starting to get a lot of bodies out there and you're starting to run into kind of the same issue of like, okay, now you're not going to see any more Kane Doe. What is Mike Dana going to develop into? Are you eating into Carl Loftus's snaps? You're starting to get a full room. It's just none of them really are guys that change much. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out one way or the other. Because like I said, you're you're running into almost the same Bradbury issue and that you're going to be taking snaps away from some younger guys at the defensive end position. I just feel a lot better about the cornerback room than I do the defensive end room. I mean, they, they've at least taken a lot of swings on the cornerback room. And not that we dislike George Karloftis by any means. And they've got Josh Kando waiting there. But there's a lot of maybe there without some of the floor. Now, Melvin Ingram adds to that floor. Now, all of a sudden, you got Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, and George Karloftis. That's a good dime rush group. It's not the, not the most dynamic group or anything like that. But it is a good dime rush group and will be a handful. I really do genuinely believe that those four will be a handful, but you need some more interior defensive linemen at this point. I mean, it's Derek Naughty, it's you know, it's Chris Jones. They've added a you know a couple of smaller moves, but there's nobody that really moves the needle. I'd be fine with Akeem Hicks. I'd be looking for some guys that maybe get beat out in camp by some of these teams that have invested a little bit more in defensive tackle, just to add, you know, towards the end of camp into preseason, make a move there because I think the rotation needs another guy that they can trust. It's not just, you know, one position or another. If Chris Jones goes down on the interior of that defensive line, yikes, that group is scary not good and i realize you can say that about a lot of groups but that group in particular needs another body in there chris can't go 100 percent of the snaps period you don't want him going 100 percent of the snaps it, it does it makes him a worse player when you do that you need more bodies that can rotate in there and try and raise the floor a little bit more rather than the guys that they have in there that are bigger bodies guys that can take up some space. You need somebody with a little more juice other than Turk Wharton, who may or may not be rotating at defensive end. We'll, we'll see once we get to camp there. I think you guys have the two correct answers. I, I'm i trying to debate. Uh, I'll... I, I'd probably, I probably would probably prefer a little bit more interior defensive line depth, but I kind of think I like the names at edge better, if that makes sense. And so, like, that's where it gets kind of interesting. Maybe they can find a way to sneak both. You know, why not just, just go, just go add, go add to both. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't care uh, if they try to get better in in both of those positions. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory, the Monday Live Edition. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit the like and subscribe button for this program and for this channel. We are growing something here. It's been really cool to see the response since draft season. We really appreciate y'all. We'll catch you later. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.